Welcome, dumbheads, to MDC, the Mega Dumb Cast. In this, the high noon of season five, I'm identifying the dumbest thing on every goddamn page of MT2, the Weird Weird West, the second in a trio of time travel adventures for TSR's Marvel Superheroes RPG. Every episode is one page, every episode is short. The Weird Weird West was written by Ray Winninger and published in 1989 by TSR. Today we're discussing page 8 of The Weird Weird West. This is the final day of the non-player characters section, the final day before we get on to the actual story of this story, and everything on this page is technically a spoiler, but the very last entry is for the Crowzars. They are, to nest another spoiler in here within the spoiler, the dumbest thing on this page, and it's going to become apparent like two or three pages into the story that the crows are our major antagonists. We're going to be talking about them constantly. And believe me when I say that we're going to have plenty to talk about on those pages without devoting a whole episode in there somewhere to just the idea of the crows are. So this seemed like the time to do it. I'm sorry to sully your untainted experience of this adventure, but this is the page where we meet the lizard men, and I couldn't deny that. So let's meet these lizard men. Now, I don't want to spoil any more than I have to, and I also don't want to get into all the minutiae about the crows are. So I'm just going to quote selectively from this entry, and I think you're going to be able to form an image of the crows are from that. As you'll see, they have a, a very familiar vibe. Quote, crows are. Fighting, excellent. Agility, good. Strength, excellent. Endurance, good. Reason, good. Intuition, poor. Psyche, good. So, not superhero level, but excellent fighting and excellent strength. Definitely outclassing regular people by a lot. However, they have a serious weakness in that they have poor intuition. Remember that this is used for perception, so they are strong and good fighters, but very easy to hoodwink, quite unperceptive. Quote, known powers. Rubbery hide. The Crozar's leathery skin gives them typical protection from physical attacks. They are conveniently resistant, if not immune to, like, normal fisticuffs, conventional sidearms, you know, your pistols and revolvers and so on. So they do call for heroic intervention. A cop or a soldier with their typical sidearm isn't going to do it. Weaponry. The Crozar use a wide variety of weapons, including blasters that strike for good force damage, laser pistols that do typical energy damage, a glue gun, which can glue all targets in an area with excellent strength adhesive. The adhesive dissolves after 10 rounds. A neural stunner, which causes its target to make a good intensity psyche roll in order to avoid being stunned. You'll notice that the two incapacitating weapons here, the neural stunner and the glue gun, are much more effective and sci-fi than the conventional kill-you-style weapons that we're more familiar with on Earth, which are pretty disappointing given the Crozar's background. We'll go on to read that the Crozar are a warlike future species of fearsome lizard people, but especially given that their baseline hand-to-hand -hand damage is excellent, which is 20, the fact that their sidearm for damage is either a blaster that does 10 force damage or typical energy damage, which is pitiful. I mean, you can get a kill result with an energy attack, but you can get one with bullets too. And the Old West revolvers in this book do more damage than these piddly little laser pistols. I think it might do significantly more damage for a Crozar to throw their laser pistol at you than to shoot a laser at you with it. These laser pistols don't do much damage, so as long as you stay at range, you should be mostly fine. These laser pistols are worse than a modern handgun. Quote, the Crozar are a technologically advanced race, if you say so, of lizard-like aliens that will rule a sizable portion of the Earth during and after the Martian invasion of the early 21st century. The Crozar are a very militaristic and disciplined people. 
they respect only one thing, strength. Insubordination is completely unheard of within their ranks. The Crowsar have a definitive chain of command involving every single member of the race. So a highly militaristic, structured, hierarchical society, fearless, implacable, but rigid to a fault. A warlike culture ripe to be confused, misdirected, and ultimately defeated by creative individuals with exceptional abilities. So yes, the, the Crows are highly reminiscent of aliens that we've seen in pop culture before, um, but I can't quite put my finger on what they reminded me of. The Gorn, maybe. In any case, this futuristic empire of fearsome, militaristic, rubber-skinned, easily hoodwinked aliens with supposedly superior technology, but weapons that are actually inferior to modern firearms, they're going to be a major threat. Well, they're going to be a major antagonist throughout this adventure. And their distinctive strengths and weaknesses, they are the dumbest thing in this page, because they are rigged to the point of straining credulity. But that same quality of being like custom-tailored to being taken down by hero protagonists, that's also something that's like a time-honored tradition in genre fiction, and I respect that it was implemented well here. It's not dumb, it's classic. As one might say, for example, of the first handful of decades of a beloved but dated science fiction television series. Just to give a quick rundown of how these rubber aliens are designed for second act success and third act failure, their strength of excellent means that non-powered individuals are probably not going to want to wade in and fistfight a bunch of them. Somebody like a non-powered Moon Knight or a Mockingbird or even like a Captain America, they could certainly take one Crozar and maybe a couple of Crozar, but they alone wouldn't want to just jump into the mix with a bunch of them. They're too strong for that. Punches are going to land, damage is going to add up. This isn't like fighting random goons in anachronistic criminal hats who are hired by Dr. Octopus or whatever. They're a little more fearsome than that. So you don't just charge in and fight them. But at the same time, this poor intuition means that sneaking past them or ambushing them is very possible, as well as using trickery to get them where you want them. And their ranged weapons are so pathetic that as long as you're sort of like picking off Crozar, running from Crozar, getting past Crozar to places they don't want you to go, they're just shooting their piddly little weapons at you. They've only got agility 10 and the damage from these weapons is trivial. So they are perfectly conceived and executed to be a mob of baddies that you have good reason not to just jump into the middle of a crowd of them and start cracking skulls, but that same crowd is more like threatening set dressing than an actual obstacle or danger. Very much like stormtroopers in the original Star Wars trilogy, right? You don't really see Star Wars protagonists jumping into the middle of a crowd of stormtroopers, because within the fiction that's such a bad idea. But if you fight them the way that protagonists fight stormtroopers, you're going to beat them every time, even if you're an Ewok. But that's all when it comes to damage. When it comes to taking you captive, Crozar technology is both much better and even more nuanced. Uh, first of all, you've got the glue gun. This shoots excellent strength glue that traps you and then holds you for up to 10 rounds, after which time it dissolves. The glue gun also hits everyone in a whole area. So you can theoretically glue down a whole player character party, as well as any hapless bystanders who happen to be with them with one shot from the glue gun. If you're in a group, be it just the player character group, or you're leading a bunch of good guy mooks, or you're escaping with some prisoners that the Crozar were holding, that glue gun is going to shut you right down. However, against strong individuals, the glue gun is much less effective. The thing is, you use the material strength of the glue as the intensity of your role to break out of it, right? So if you have a strength of anywhere from feeble to good, you have to roll a red result to break out of this glue. That's like maximum a 3% chance to get out. If you have excellent strength, then you need a yellow result, which means that you have about a 30% chance to break out every round. So odds are good that the glue is going to hold you temporarily, but not for the whole 10 rounds. Probably long enough for it to be obvious that you could break out of the glue, 
but for the crows are to threaten you, tell you they're going to shoot your friends who can't get out of the glue, and come slap the alien manacles on you. If you've got remarkable strength or better, you only need a green result to break through this glue, which means you have at least a 65% chance each round to break through. By the time you get to incredible strength, like Tigra, say, that's a 70% chance, and if you've got monstrous strength or better, like Wonder Man, you typically wouldn't even need to roll. There's an optional rule that if the intensity of a feat is more than three ranks below your power rank, you don't make a roll, you just succeed. So a fair judge would allow Wonder Man to just walk right through this glue without making any kind of a roll. Once again, if you catch Wonder Man in a group with a bunch of innocents who could be murdered in their dozens by lizards, even using weak-ass laser pistols, Wonder Man's going to have to surrender and let them put him in a cell that he then breaks out of, as is rubber monster tradition. But then during the breakout, if Wonder Man just charges a Crozar with a glue gun, the glue gun is pretty much useless. Similarly, there's also this neural stunner, right? The neural stunner is basically a remote control to just switch off problematic player characters. It doesn't do damage. It just straight up knocks you out. And the only way to avoid this is to make a psyche roll. The intensity of that psyche roll is good, which once again leads to a really intense curve. Keeping in mind that psyche is like willpower, presence, just general intellectual and emotional oomph. If you've got a psyche of feeble or poor, you have a 1% chance to stay on your feet against the neural stunner. If you have a typical psyche, like the typical person, you have a 3% chance to resist the remote control beam. If you have good psyche, so if you are at all the person in the crowd who has like a little more willpower, a little more force of personality than the rest, your chance of resisting the remote control beam leaps to 30%. And at excellent or better psyche, your chance of either resisting the off beam completely or just kind of going woozy and losing a turn rather than being really knocked out for up to 10 rounds is at least 60%. When you bear in mind that the Crowsar only have good agility and do also have to aim this weapon, the chance of a Crowsar actually switching off someone with excellent willpower on a given turn is like 16%. And it only gets worse from there if they've got higher psyche. So you can see that there's like a very dramatic thing here where any typical person who dares defy their lizard overlords just boop, push the button on the remote control, they fall to the ground. You pitiful humans, you are as mere Rokus to me. And I say the ba-bum, but let there be one person in that crowd with a little more backbone, a psyche of excellent, a born leader. Now you've got a revolution on your hands because this person, I mean, they can be turned off with the remote, but like think about having a remote control that only turns off the TV 16% of the time. Even a lazy motherfucker like me changes the batteries at that point because that shit is infuriating. The neural stunner is no kind of security against somebody with excellent willpower. And if they happen to be remarkably strong, the glue gun's no good either. We're going to find out later as well that each Crozar pretty much has one of these weapons. And against competent opponents, each of these weapons represents like an orthogonal means to defeat an opponent. It's, it's really beautiful when you look at it. Against a crowd of people who are vulnerable to all these weapons to some extent, a crowd of Crozar are very menacing, right? This is three separate ways to die coming at you all at once. But if you get somebody who's immune to one or two of those attack methods, now in a crowd of Crozar, only half of them can effectively attack you. This is all very complicated and very kind of carefully cantilevered to achieve just the right effect. But what it amounts to is when the player characters initially run up against the Crozar and don't know what these weapons are and are fighting all as a group and possibly have other people to think about, even though the Crozar are very weak compared to superheroes, they're probably going to be able to take everybody captive and cart them off to the jail where they can learn all about the villain's master plan. Once the player characters know what they're up against and can identify these weapons and send the right person to go take out the right crows are, 
one or two exceptional individuals are going to have no difficulty tipping over this whole fucking alien lizard apple cart and defeating just scads of these fearsome warlike aliens. Now, the catch is that you would need at least remarkable strength and at least excellent psyche for one character to be really good against the Crozar on their own, to be like the designated Crozar fighter of the group. And that actually is a surprisingly rare combination. I did look through the judges book through all the different Marvel superhero write-ups, and there are a few characters with stats like that, but none who would really be in this adventure. They're like, they're characters who are clearly too tough for the weird, weird West, like Silver Surfer, say. It's not that this combination is so powerful, but it just so happens, probably as a product of superhero archetypes slash stereotypes, that superhero level strength of mind and superhero level strength of body don't typically go together. That's more of a pulp hero thing. However, especially if you're a patron and have been following the TVA archives on Patreon, you'll know from her data file that Glass Cannon, of all people, the powerful but fragile crystalline superheroine from the Misfits, I did randomly get just these kind of stats for her. She has incredible strength and remarkable psyche. So this humble teenage girl, with her gift of strength and her unbreakable spirit, just might be able to topple the entire Crozar empire. Which is dumb, but I think it's dumb by design. And I respect that. This is well-implemented genre fiction shenanigans. But don't start feeling like heroes yet, all you prospective player characters. Join me tomorrow when the author will continue his streak of starting adventures in the worst possible manner on MDC, the Mega Dumbcast. This has been MDC. New episodes drop every day except for Sundays, when all the previous week's episodes drop in one big megasode on the top-secret, patrons-only RSS feed. If you'd like to get access to that feed and support the show, go to patreon.com slash megadumbcast. Contact me however you want. I am Megadumbcast on Twitter, Gmail, Podbean, your favorite podcatcher, etc., etc. This episode's theme music used under Creative Commons license, is Western Firefight 2 by Kulla, whose work you can find at Kulla.com. That's C-U-L-L-A-H dot com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>